Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. All right, guys, today is a Q&A, my favorite, but before we get into the Q&A, and we are going to cover quite a bit, we're going to cover uh, a recap on my photo shoot prep and what I did to get there, how I'm going to sustain it, my new goals going forward. We talked about creatine. We talked about um, pregnancy and what to do around that. We talked about morning routines and creating structure in your life. We talked about a lot of really good things, bulking, cutting, intra-workout training, like uh, or supplementation. We talked a lot. Actually, really, really good questions today. Uh, but before we do, I just have a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first one being, last reminder, guys. This is the final couple days of the sale price of Built For You. So the new ebook, which is getting insane reviews, I'm getting a ton of people um, jumping in, training, emailing me, DMing me, saying how cool it is that I can actually be individualized to them. They're getting amazing education already. They're seeing success in the gym already. So they're all excited. It's week one of their training um, in the private group. They're going to be updating me. Um, I even have some like pretty big influencers hit me up reading the book, using the book. And, and it's been really, really cool to get such good feedback and have the testimonials that I already had published out. Um, so I'm going to link that in the show notes, guys. There's only a couple days left before the price jumps up. I really want you guys to go grab it because it is today the best program I've ever released. And as the most education I've ever put into an ebook ever. Like there's so much info and training in there that I think it's going to really help you not only for the next six to 12 weeks or however long you use this program, but for the next year. And technically you could use this program for 16 weeks, 20 weeks, 24 weeks, 36 weeks. You could literally use it for a year if you wanted to. It's, it's, has that ability with the amount of variation and self-auto-regulation and individualization inside it. So one more time, link in the show notes. The other thing guys is I fucking love this podcast. Excuse my profanity, but I'm passionate about it. And I would really love it if you help me by leaving me a five-star rating and review and screenshotting the show and sharing it on your story or simply telling a friend. What I care about most is that other people get to listen to this podcast and get the information so they can get better results. Not to see you tag me on Instagram. Although when you tag me, it allows me to see who's listening. I can personally thank you and share your story as well because I want to share your content too. But if you can share this in any way, shape, or form, it would mean the world to me because that means more people reach the podcast and more people get better results. All right, now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. So before we actually get into the Q&A, I kind of wanted to go over a couple things. Um, just to fill you guys in, I know it's always cool to kind of hear um, what people are doing for their own training. Like I know some of the podcasts I listen to, uh, I hear Q&As, I hear topics, I hear all these things and it's great and I love it. But I'm always like, man, like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing for your training? What does your training look like? What does your nutrition look like? What are your goals? So I just want to kind of recap you guys because today is Wednesday uh, the 11th and I actually have my photo shoot here in a few hours. So I just ate a meal. Probably going to be my last meal. I might have another little snack before the photo shoot, being kind of intuitive with it and just seeing how my body looks. 
Um, but we have a photo shoot today in the gym. We're going to do some just training shots. I mean, for me, it's content. You know, I, I want to create content for you guys. And, and I'm actually excited about this one because I have like more of a methodical plan. So I'm specifically doing photos and videos of certain movement patterns and exercises because I really want to create content around the program design aspect of those movements um, and what to pair them with, how to execute them, so on and so forth. So it's going to be used for Instagram photos, IGTV, videos, stuff like that. Um, and I'm excited about it. It's going to be good. But another thing I'm kind of excited about too is because it's, you know, like I didn't, like I'm going to recap how the, sh the prep went and everything and what the process was because like there's a few things that make this one special for me and, and one of them is because I just got off surgery so six months ago um, almost exactly let me look at the calendar uh, today's September 11th so let's see one two three four five six literally six months in a week uh, six months and 11 days, I think it is, um, maybe two weeks, so six and a half months uh, ago, I, w I had surgery. So that means I've been off crutches for five months. It's pretty crazy because what I did is, you know, I, I left the hospital, I'm on crutches. I They said I would be on crutches for nine to 10 weeks. I think I got off crutches in seven and a half, eight weeks. So a little bit ahead of schedule, which is great. Um, but I was obviously not in a good place, you know, after, so long story short, I tore my meniscus, went to the hospital the next morning, and they were like, hey, you need to go get surgery. I'd probably suggest, you know, we, we have an opening for you uh, with a specialist next week. Um, I ended up hiring a different person just because I read reviews. I did my research, and I wanted to go with somebody else. But um, long story short, I was like, yeah, next week's probably not going to work for me. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I kind of have this, like, speaking gig, and I can't, you know, if I have surgery on Thursday, I'll still be on painkillers and all loopy by Saturday in the workshop, I was going to a gym and, and training the trainers basically um, and kind of taking them through a bunch of different aspects of programming and client communication and so on and so forth. And I was like, they already paid me. Like, I got to be there. I'm not going to show up on all loopy. You know, I'm already on crutches as it is. And they're like, okay, we can push it out a week. And I'm like, well, if we push it out a week and it would have been again Thursday. So they basically did the guy that did the surgery. He did, only did surgeries on Tuesday and Thursday and he only had Thursdays available so I was like, well, the next Thursday, I have another thing. And I had my uh, the coaches collective. So my mentor clients fly out to Seattle and we do an event. Um, the next one is actually in February. Um, this is a little teaser. There will be at the most a handful, but I think less. So maybe like three to five open seats uh, available. So if you're a coach, if you want to grow, if you want to come visit Seattle, if you want to spend two days with me and a couple of guest speakers, shoot me a message. Um, but I was like, no, I can't do that because I got another event Saturday and Sunday. And again, I can't be loopy. These people paid for me to be there. Like I, I got to provide value. I can't do it. Okay. So let's push the next week. And I was like, yeah, funny thing is I actually have a speaking engagement that week. So I had a nutrition seminar I was doing at CrossFit seven cities, Cody Smith's gym <clears throat> here in Washington. And it was just like one of those things where I was like, look, I'm going to be honest. Like I have three weekends in a row and then I have a, a weekend break which I have plans with my fiance that I don't want to break, now my wife. Um, and then the weekend after that, I have another seminar that I was doing up in Seattle. And they were like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, I don't know how it worked out this way, but it did. And it, I think it was like kind of New Year's thing, you know, it was like February at the time, January, February. And so I basically postponed my surgery for six weeks. So I'm on crutches with a torn meniscus, having to be very fucking careful because I'm waiting for the needle. 
postponed six weeks, um, five or six weeks. I think I got surgery on February 26th at the end of the month in February. And, uh, surgery went well, obviously like, uh, they were either a going to take it out completely cause it was just too torn to shit since technically it was torn for five years. It just was like partially torn and now it was ripped all the way through. Um, or they were going to be able to fix it. And I like went under the, I think it's anesthesia that they put you under with, but basically I went under and they were like, Hey, like we'll let you know when you wake up. <laughs> I'm like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. We're going to put you out and there's a 50, 50 chance we'll be able to fix it. If we can't fix it, we're going to remove it. You'll honestly, you'll be kind of loopy, but you'll walk out today. You won't even be on crutches. You'll be fine. I'm um, just a little incision with machines. It's no big deal. I'm like, damn. Okay. And he was like, but you know, in five years from all that bone to bone contact, you might have severe arthritis and need a complete knee replacement. And I'm like, okay. So at 31 years old, cause I was 26, um, I'm 27 now. I was like, so you're telling me that I would need a complete knee replacement at 31 years old. Like, I'm not good with that. He was like, well, we'll do what we can. Woke up. Uh, the funny thing about it, I woke up and I'm like, so did they fix it? And the nurse is like, oh, I don't, I'm not at liberty to share that information with you. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's my fucking knee. <laughs> you can't let me know. You'll have to wait for your wife, sir. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm sitting here. And if anybody's ever been put under for surgery or dental work or anything like that, I don't know what it is but you wake up pissed. Like you're just grumpy. You're just an asshole. So I'm just like, I'm laying there pissed, grumpy, can't move, no phone, no TV. I got a curtain wrapped around so I can't see shit. What's going on? Nobody's coming here. Shannon finally walks over and she's like, they did it. And so she let me know they fixed it. So they fixed it, which was good news because now I probably won't need a knee replacement, assuming I don't tear it again. And I, and I do things properly, which I have been, um, bad news was I was going to be on crutches for a couple months. So get on crutches, hit up my friend, Chris Bearcat, shout out to Christopher Bearcat, which shout out to him again, because he just got his first study published, which is a huge deal in that community. And in that world, um, being somebody who's actually in the lab doing research, um, which I'm excited to say, like, he's a good friend of mine, um, and somebody I'm closely connected to and talk to all the time. So I'm like kind of in the loop with a lot of these things, but he, uh, got his uh, research published. And I actually, it was funny because I knew it got published and I was excited for him. And it's uh, basically changing your joint angle in order to elicit more hypertrophy. And they did it on bicep curls, really interesting study. Um, and I've, I've applied a lot of that inside the new book, which remember guys, last week on sale. Um, if you opt in now, you can get it for the sale price still because it is Friday. Um, but I used a lot of his philosophies on the angling of joint based on this study that he did um, inside of the new ebook. So it was cool that the publish got... Uh, funded and published right after my ebook came out, or maybe it was right before my ebook came out because I used the principles because he kind of let me in on the details of what they were doing. Uh, but I noticed it in James Krieger's research review this morning when I got the update for the, this month's research review. And I was like, oh shit, bro, you're in the review. I was like, that's so cool. Um, but uh, where was I going with that? Um, I'm on crutches. Uh, I'm, at this point, uh, it's been eight weeks total of on crutches, right? Cause I didn't have surgery for five or six weeks. And then I've had surgery. I had surgery about two weeks ago. Get on the phone with Chris. I'm like, dude, like long story short, I've been doing seated bicep curls and shoulder presses and that's in band pull parts. That's about all I can do, man. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting, 
Um, I'm pretty low carb, but I'm not in a deficit because I don't want to slow down recovery. So I purposely stayed at about maintenance calories, which granted was lower than it would have been normally because I wasn't moving much. Um, but I was eating low carb, going with a more paleo-ish diet, really focusing on anti-inflammation. I was supplementing with good collagen, fish oil, which collagen is kind of debated highly in the community. But in cases when you have a meniscal tear, um, the sutures inside your meniscus that they actually stitch it up with rely on collagen to be formed because the, the collagen forming around those sutures in the tendon ligaments actually bind them together and solidify a stronger bond, allowing you to recover faster. So in some certain situations, collagen is great. So a lot of collagen, fish oil, garlic, ginger, cinnamon, blueberries, like olive oil, like every anti-inflammatory you could think of, really, really focusing on clean foods, low carb, so on and so forth, trying to do my best to speed up recovery and stay as lean as possible. But I mean, when you're not training really, like at the end of the day, you lose muscle, you gain fat. So I did a DEXA and I was up body fat percentage. I was at 13.5 on the DEXA at this point because um, I took a DEXA the week before me and Chris started. So I literally went to the DEXA on crutches and uh, at the end, tail end. So I was, I think I was using one crutch. So I was like basically getting off crutches at this point. And uh, did that. I was at 13.5%, which I would say is probably about 4% above what I usually sit at. Because I would say I usually sit between 9 and 10, um, which is the goal for sustainable leanness, I think. And uh, But my, my weight had not changed. So, like, basically, I gained fat, lost muscle. And when we looked at the difference between my left leg, just my femur, so the meat on my femur, meaning my quad and hamstring, just that area... There was a two and a half, three pound difference between my left and right. So imagine this. My left leg, the one I had surgery on, was two and a half to three pounds lighter than my right leg because of the muscle loss and some muscle glycogen, but muscle loss period because some muscle is water and muscle glycogen, um, which tells me that total mass loss was even more because just the leg was three and a half pounds difference. And I know my right leg lost some too. So my left leg probably lost about four to five pounds total since the start. Um, but I kind of started this like thing where I hit him up and I'm like, yo, like I basically want to do a recomp and do a photo shoot. I'm going to set a photo shoot date. Let's do it. So original date was in August and we pushed it out two extra weeks just to give me a little more time. Um, as it got closer, just because I had a lot of stuff going on, but this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this photo shoot. I literally had surgery, set a goal. I was like, I'm in the worst shape I've been in a long time, but I'm going to recomp, rehab, and get to this photo shoot. So the goal was to rebuild the muscle tissue I lost, which I will say at this point, I rebuilt 90% of it, maybe, maybe even like 85. The reason I say that is because my legs aren't where they were, period, because it's hard to, but my upper body definitely is. Um... Because at the end of the day, like even though I started training my legs again, I couldn't add significant load because my knee joint couldn't handle it. So therefore, I really couldn't take full advantage of the recomp on the lower body, but I could on the upper body. So we spent a good – so this is like basically a five-month prep to the photo shoot. We spent a month just kind of priming my body, increasing volume, starting to train my legs again with like blood flow restriction, body weight, high rep volume, stuff like that. Um, and then we added uh, – a good amount of calories, good amount of carbs. So I bump calories and carbs up to give my kind of my metabolism just a little bit of a boost, give it kind of that priming phase and just give my body some fuel to utilize. And then for uh, three to four months, I utilized literally the exact split inside built for you, the new program. So six days a week, 
upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. Some days, like uh, shit was crazy. I had a wedding. I couldn't do six days in that week. So I did four, which is what's cool about it. It's auto-regulated. So I did upper, lower, upper, lower, waited till the next week when I was back home because I took four days off around the wedding weekend. And then I just got back into it, upper, lower, and then started the week again. So it's a six-day training block, but that could be a seven-day calendar uh, week or it could be a 10-day calendar week. Um, But the point is I use that exact program all the way through. And after that priming phase, we just did a very slow conservative cut. And this is the third reason why I'm excited about this shoot. The first reason is because the content I'm going to create with this is going to be really cool. The second thing is because um, I did this out of a surgery. Really, really cool. Just shows you what's possible if you just set a goal and don't let the fact that, like I've been training for nine years I could have been really discouraged that like, man, like I'm in the worst shape I've been in nine years. Like I have more body fat and less muscle than I've had in nine years. Or I could be like, man, this is a new beginning. This is like the rebirth of Boom Boom. And I made it a thing and I was excited about it. It's all perception. And then the third thing with this is that I did this in a way where it is sustainable. So right now um, I, I I am 12 pounds down from when I started five months ago, which is a lot for me. Um, my abs are more visible than they've been. The, my musculature is more visible than it's been. Um, I, I'm clearly defined, but I'm not shredded to the gills. Like I have a photo shoot. I did a photo shoot after my contest prep. I was dead. <laughs> I was skeletal skinny. Um, I shouldn't say skinny shredded because I had muscle and I, I was shredded. I looked great, but it wasn't sustainable. I had no sex drive. I had my PRs in the gym were going down. I was doing way too much fucking cardio. It, it, that's what comes with contest prep. So there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I'm glad I did it because it taught me a lot and it showed me what it takes to get that lean, but that lean's not sustainable. So what I'm excited about this one is the only cardio I've done is weight vest walks. And what I do is I take three walks per day. I take a 10-minute walk in the morning. I take a 10-minute walk after lunch. And I take a 10-minute walk with my daughter after dinner. And I don't wear the weight vest when I walk my daughter just because I don't want to look like a psychopath. But lunch and in the morning, I do wear the weight vest. It's like 30 pounds. So, which I would say if you go by science, you probably don't need that much weight. You probably should mask the weight you're losing. So as you lose weight, like the best way to utilize weight vest cardio would basically be if you drop five pounds, add a five pound plate on your weight vest. Like basically you're just masking the weight you lost because that's how you're going to slowly reverse metabolic adaptation. Um, Anyway, uh, but you got to wear it a lot. You got to do like basically that kind of science-based weighted apparel that's actually like wearing a t-shirt under your shirt every day like so you're literally just adding like oh you lost two pounds add a pound or two like you're basically masking your weight and you're wearing it as weighted apparel so you have to wear it all day but that's that's besides the point i didn't do that um all the cardio i did was three 10 minutes walks a day which is lifestyle that's i like doing that anyway um and i didn't cut my calories so damn low that performance suffered until the last two weeks in the last two weeks we were like okay let's ramp it up we we cut carbs hard and just went after it um, and cut carbs hard for me. So you guys know was getting down to 160 grams of carbs on training days and 60 grams, um, with more fats on non-training days. So really low carb on those days, but high fat, high veggie. I was totally fine. It wasn't that hard to do. Um, and I did those at the end three days a week because I shifted my six day a week plan to four days a week on the last two to three weeks of this photo shoot prep simply because like recovery was slowing down and I didn't want to hamper my hormones or or physiology. So basically my point with this is is I'm excited about this because it's lifestyle based. This is lifestyle lean. Like you guys are going to see the photo shoot and I'm not shredded to the gills like a bodybuilder, but I'm clearly lean. 
I, I think I look amazing and I'm really happy with how it turned out. You can clearly see I'm healthy. You can clearly see that I have definition. Um, but I still have energy. I still have sex drive. I still have motivation to work hard. I'm still getting good sleep. Like I didn't suffer um, like you would with contest prep, which just goes to show you a couple things. Number one, precision matters, right? Like your macros have to be on point. I weighed everything. Um, the only thing I didn't weigh was my meat and my spinach. That's it. Spinach is pretty damn easy to, to guess, right? A couple cups, a couple handfuls, same thing. I weighed my egg whites. I weighed my oats, my rice. Um, I weighed my butter when I put butter on my rice. I weighed my peanut butter. I weighed my fruit. I weighed everything. If I did like, um, like thicker greens or veggies or peppers and stuff like that. I just weighed it. It's very easy. When Shannon was cooking a dinner, I guesstimated because I'm not going to tell her to weigh that stuff. Um, she usually cooks dinner every night. Um, so with like grilled chicken, grilled steak, she obviously helps me with the diet. Like I just, I'm, I know I can eyeball it. So like when I know we have a piece of chicken in the freezer or from, uh, the steak, I I'm pretty aware cause we get all of our meat from butcher box. I can look at it and I say, I know that's about five ounces. So I just plan for that amount. It's perfect. It's perfect. If it's not, it's not. I'm pretty aware and intuitive with it. So most people I recommend measuring everything. But the point with this is precision does matter. The other point with this is to get as lean as I got, you don't need to be overly precise on every single day. 90-10 rule applies. I would say 80-20 rule applies for gen pop. 90-10 rule, I'm actually making an infographic about this. 90-10 rule applies for people doing photo shoots or trying to get really lean and see abs and stuff like that. And then 99-1 rule applies for contest prep. You got to be 99% on point. But for me, like I went to, uh, what is that restaurant called? Took Shannon there last week for her birthday. Or no, last week I was 100% on point the week before. So the week into the shoot, like peak week, quote unquote, I didn't go out and eat or anything. But a week and a half before my shoot, we went to that cheese fondue place. What is it called? The Melting Pot. I don't know if they have them everywhere. They have them here in Washington. And you do cheese fondue and stuff. I guesstimated. Um, I had wine every single week of this prep for five months. Every single week. I had my wedding. I had my uh, bachelor party. I had a 4th of July barbecue party at my house. I had two birthdays. Like, there's a lot of things I did involved in there that I didn't track. I wasn't perfect, and I drank alcohol. But I stuck to, stuck to fundamental rules. During the week and on Sundays, like when I can 100% plan, and Saturdays are kind of our day night, the days I can plan, I 100% plan. I get very fucking precise. My macros are spot on. Um, no, I'm not eating. If I have 200 grams carbs, I'm not eating 200 grams. It's 198. It's 205. Like I stay within range. But my point is I'm on point and I weigh everything and it's precise. On Saturdays, I'm not precise, but it's just Saturday. But I still do my best to guesstimate and try to fit everything in there. Um, I have wine every, every week, but I keep it at once a week. I didn't do tons of cardio, but I did cardio every day. 10-minute walk in the morning, 10-minute walk at lunch, 10-minute walk after dinner with my daughter. After meals, it's perfect. Like there's little things that you can do and they're little rocks and then it's just consistency with it. And that was my point with getting like my goal. I was like, man, I don't want, I don't need to get shredded, but I want to recomp and get to a point where people can look at it and be like, I could do that. And that's the goal with it. Like, am I shredded the girls? No, but do we need to be? No. Like I want people to look at this and be like, damn, like I could get that lean too. It just takes coaching, obviously, accountability, precision and consistency and you don't need like I think people have this problem with having just a little bit of something right they think like like 
I got to cut everything out. No alcohol for 90 days. It's like, well, fuck, dude. Like, have a drink every week, but just keep it chill. Have a few glasses of wine and call it good. Like, I, I think you got to find that balance. Um, but overall, like, that was the plan. Um, we, we did a very, very conservative cut. We just wanted to cut every every week, essentially, if we can. Took a diet break every probably three to four weeks uh, for about three days. We'd take, like, two to three days of refeeding. Usually it was like two really high days, one moderate day, and then back to normal. So we would kind of taper it down, which I enjoy doing because it helps with hunger cues after a refeed. Um, we would do that every three to four weeks. Uh, everything else was planned. Like it was just very, very just textbook. And I think the most successful people in cuts, they, they keep things textbook. They think, keep things consistent. So um, overall, photo shoot went well. Uh, I'm doing it to provide more content. I'm doing it to show that even with something like surgery, you can bounce back and be so on point and get, get your shit together and get in the best shape of your life. And I'm doing it so people can look at something and say, like, I could do that too. That is sustainable. That's the big thing here is, like, this is the point where I'm going to sustain this leanness. Like, I, will I gain some weight? Probably. Um, mainly because I drank two and a half gallons of fucking water <laughs> two days ago and a gallon and a half yesterday. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm light right now from just depleting water out, but um, I'll probably gain a little bit just because I'll be building muscle. I mean, hopefully I'll gain a little bit, but slowly. Um, but what I would say is like, do something like strive for something that you can sustainably achieve and then add a couple months to it. So like, I was like, I could probably get there in three. Let's give it five months. Cause I got a lot of shit going on. Um, I probably could get there faster if I cut out all alcohol, but I really like drinking. Like, let's not do that, right? Like, like let's have one date night a week. Um, have accountability, have a coach, have all that shit set up and periodize the fucking plan, which gets me into my next point. I have a new goal. Um, I'm periodizing. So I set a goal before this goal is even met. Today is the day, but I've already set goals for my next metrics. I have a meeting with um, a uh, somebody who's going to be helping me with training on Monday because I really do believe in coaches. I have a nutrition coach. I have a life coach. I have a business coach and I have a training coach. That's four fucking coaches. Um, and it's a lot of money to invest, but I believe in the practice. Um, I think it's, it's a very good thing to have mentors, have coaches, have somebody to bounce ideas off of, have somebody to guide you, have somebody to keep you accountable more than anything. So I'm talking to a new guy. Um, and this is, and then we're periodizing. So basically this week is kind of like diet break and refuel because the last two days I've been eating so many carbs, 500 grams carbs on Monday, 375 grams carbs yesterday. Um, so a lot of calories coming in today, probably not as many calories just cause I'm so fucking busy cause we have the photo shoot and then I'm going up to Seattle to do a live podcast with Lululemon and shout out to Paul Klingen for the down dog athletics podcast. Um, and then yeah, the rest of the week, I'm just going to kind of chill, keep it keep it at maintenance calories. And the next week, we'll start reverse dieting. And I'm going to shift my goals to performance. So I'm 100% in on performance. So a few reasons for this. Number one, I think one of the most important aspects for training that people forget is fun. You should be having fun. You don't need to change your training up all the time. In fact, you probably shouldn't because you need to stick with something long enough to see progress. But every once in a while, you should change things up to keep yourself interested. That being said, I think you should also revisit the things that you enjoy the most. For example, if you love high rep bodybuilding, you like training in the 15 to 20 rep range, you love that pump, you love that training, it gets you fired up, I think that should be literally 75% or more of your training. And what I mean by that is like every couple weeks, maybe even once a month, do some low volume shit, like lift some heavy weights just to remind yourself like I can deadlift some heavy shit. But the 90% of your training should be in that high rep stuff. If you love high-intensity full body, you should train that way and just figure out a way to recover properly in order to support that. 
if you prefer upper lower splits, then why even fuck with a full body plan? Like the point with this is, is like you should really stick to what you love most until you really want to explore something else. Because I think consistency, adherence, and motivation to stay consistent and motivation to actually push hard is so unbelievably underrated. We know how important RPE is. We know all this talk about effective reps now. We know that volume is important. Well, you're not going to accomplish any of that shit if you're not motivated to get in the gym. And if you're doing a program you're not motivated to do, you're not going to be able to push hard. You're not going to be able to stay consistent, which I will say, like I just got those out there, um, even though it's completely opposite of about what I'm about to do. Built for you is badass. I really enjoyed the program and people are giving me insane feedback. And like just the idea that it's individualized to you like has been the thing that's blowing people away. Like people keep saying like this is insane how how easily we can individualize it to ourselves and how much education is put into it. Um, so yeah, anyway. Uh, so what I'm doing is I'm shifting back to full body strength and conditioning. So I will actually have four days a week where I'm lifting uh, with explosiveness in the beginning, um, sh- strength parameters, after that, some specific accessory work and likely some uh, metabolic conditioning at the end. So it's very much going to be like, for example, an upper body day could be a dumbbell snatch, super set up with a box jump. Um, it's not even upper, I would say upper dominant because we're doing full body training. Uh, a snatch followed by a box jump and then maybe like a heavy floor press. And then after that, I might do like a front rack step up, super set with a chin up and a posterior fly. And then I might finish with like carries and assault bike. Right, very dynamic, very athletic, very functional, and, and kind of working across all energy systems. Then I'll have one day that's going to be more uh, sustainable cardio. So it's going to be more oxidative system uh, using lipids. So kind of like fat-based sustainability, aerobic capacity, oxidative, uh, really just focusing on either if it's nice out running or biking, or we'll be inside on the rower doing like longer duration pace, paced workouts. So trying to stay consistent with a long-term pace. And then one day is going to be very much so like a lactic and lactic base. So like very high intensity ATP, uh, anaerobic style, either lactic or a lactic or an all, a combination of the two, meaning like 10 second bursts and maybe following up with some like 40 to 60 second bursts. That's probably going to be on the salt bike or like short sprints and stuff like that. But like the reason for this is really just, I just need to change pace. I've been doing bodybuilding style training for a long time and I love it. Um, and I love how it's transformed my physique, but what got me into training in the first place was full body dynamic strength and conditioning. And I just miss it. Like I just, it's just time for a change of pace. And for me, I need something that pushes me mentally. So when I did Muay Thai, when I did BJJ, when I did boxing, when I did even CrossFit, like those things challenged me to step outside of my comfort zone and push my, really my conditioning, which was, has always been my weak point. Well, has been since I started doing the bodybuilding stuff. It pushed me so much that I got really uncomfortable on a regular basis. So I was only doing those things once or twice a week. So I want to shift it to do it almost every day I train. That way I'm pushing myself mentally and, and I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone. Um, so it's not just about my body. It's, it's also about my mind as well. And I'm not looking to build as much muscle or burn as much fat as possible. In fact, I, after this photo shoot, I just want to maintain. I'm, I'm at a happy weight. I feel good. Um, I definitely will naturally build muscle on my legs as I bring calories up just because I've lost a lot of muscle. But my goal is just to stay this lean and just crush performance. So my, my new outcomes are actually going to be set around um, a sustainable test. So whether that's a rower or a run or a bike, um, where I'm talking with God Monday to set these parameters. An explosive test, whether that's a, a distance or height jump or a snatch. Um, a strength test, whether that's a bench press or a deadlift. Um, definitely not going to be a squat. And then some kind of uh, anaerobic test. So probably going to be an assault bike. I hate to say this, but it's probably going to be a 10-minute test on the salt bike. Um, you can either do like distance done or calories burned in 10 minutes. 
which is just so brutal. But we're going to test and then retest in 90 days um, and then set new parameters. So I'm excited about this because it's a big change of pace. And I think like, you know, there was a good research review that showed like changing freq- uh, your style of training too frequently is actually not a good thing because it doesn't allow time to progress. If you change too often, you aren't following a plan long enough to see progressive overload happen. Um, and there's no merit to quote unquote shocking the body unless you have one to three years or more away from that type of training. And what that means is like they basically did a study that showed you could do, you could change variables every week, every other week or every month or something like that. And there was no difference as long as volume was equated. Um, But the time they did see a big change in this kind of quote unquote shock the body phenomenon was in weightlifters. So Olympic lifters who changed to a bodybuilding program out of nowhere. But the people who did this had either a never done it before or B had not done bodybuilding style training in three years. So that just goes to show like you got to wait a long time. So for me, this is perfect timing because I've been following structured bodybuilding style programs for the last, I mean, I did CrossFit as a test, like I tested out CrossFit a few years ago, um, would have been two and a half years ago, but it wasn't like a serious run. It literally was like a month or two, just, just trying it out. Cause I got so many questions on it. Um, probably three months. Um, but before that, it's still back to upper lowers and push pull legs and stuff like that. And I think the last time I did a true strength conditioning program was probably six years ago, five or six years ago. So it's been a while. So I'm just ready for a change of pace, ready for a new set of goals. And who knows? Uh, I might shift back to bodybuilding afterwards because I realized I loved it because I do love bodybuilding. And I think bodybuilding is the foundation when you can create, uh, and James Fitzgerald is big on this. And I really like the way he approaches this philosophy, but it's kind of like, if you have a base of contractions, you can support strength and conditioning better. So the the movements are key, right? We have to understand how to squat and lunge and carry and pull and push and stuff like that and hinge. But if you don't have a base, a foundational a built of muscular contractions, it's going to be hard to facilitate power or tension or resistance inside of those movement patterns. So being able to hip hinge is one thing. Being able to contract while you hip hinge is another. Uh, being able to flex your elbow is one thing, but being able to isometrically contract your bicep while flexing your elbow is another. So like I, I like spending this much time building that base and then stepping into something like this is going to be exciting. So much more of a concurrent style. And it's going to be cool too because we're going to play with the nutrition aspect and kind of work on some metabolic flexibility where we are utilizing purposeful fasting, purposeful high-fat days, low-carb, purposeful high-carb days, and really focusing on getting my body to utilize different fuel sources according to what kind of energy is needed for the output that's being done. Um, So I'm excited, kind of like a little project. Um, But that is kind of the recap. We are going to get in some questions. I know it's been 30 minutes of me ranting already. Um, I apologize. Uh, But that is why we have the timestamps. If you want to skip through the jargon, you can just skip right through. But I wanted to update you guys on what I'm going through, uh, how I did Built For You. I actually did that literal program to get ready for this prep, and it helped me recomp tremendously. Um, Gave me the variety I needed and the progressive overload I needed. I wanted to kind of share my thoughts on why I did this as a slow conservative thing to get to a place where it's sustainable, not only for myself, but to show you guys something, and then kind of talk about my new goals. So with that being said, take a sip of water. with lemon squeezed in it. Get to the first question. Sivi Kanja. I don't know what that accent was, but I hope I pronounced that right. Could creatine supplementation lead to achy joints due to dehydration because creatine pulls water? Um, Like the first, the first answer is no. Um, 
there's no research to support that. I'm going to link, I answered this question on uh, Instagram. I don't know why that lost me. It's like the world's most famous app. Um, but I, th- I figured I'd answer it again because it's a really good question. Um, there's no there's no data to s- support that. I'm going to link uh, the creatine ar- article by a past guest, Eric Trexler, in the show notes. It's a really good overview. But if you look at the research showing creatine and di- dehydration, it doesn't really cause dehydration for a couple reasons. Number one, it pulls water into the muscle. So you were not you were not really dehydrating because you're rehydrating your muscle. So you're still holding on to water in good places, which is going to fuel performance. Um, the other thing with that is because it pulls water, you actually increase thirst, which means you naturally intuitively will drink more water. But in research study that they have done to test this and see if the pulling of water has any negative effect, they actually saw a decreased risk um, in likelihood of injury. They saw a decreased risk of muscle soreness, cramps, or pain, um, and an increased risk of obviously muscle mass, performance increases, um, and recovery totally. So long story short, no, the data doesn't support it. In fact, it supports the opposite. It actually supports that you will... Uh, have less joint pain because you will have less risk of injury. You have more better performance, better recovery, better hydration of the muscle, um, better range of motion because you have more hydration in the muscle, which helps fluid. Um, and I would assume, this is just a uh, an assumption, but I would assume that would increase the fluid in your joints as well because it's globally. It's not just, I mean, it is local, but I think it would spread to be a little bit glo- globally. So um, there's a lot of evidence that shows the complete opposite. And there was no dehydration inside of these athletes that were taking creatine. Um, everything was less likely with creatine. Um, but I'm going to link that article. Really good question because creatine does pull water, but it pulls water into the, into the muscle cell, which is a good thing. And it doesn't mean that you're dehydrated. It just means that you have water storing at a higher rate in a different place, um, which leads me to a shout out for Creapure. Um, I, I've shouted them out a few times. Uh, I actually am, I'm really pumped about this, but I am officially a Creapure athlete. Um, but the way they go about their athletes is really cool. Like they don't want me to do some cheesy ad on the podcast, which I appreciated because I don't want this podcast to be about ads. Uh, but if somebody asked me about creatine, I told them I would absolutely shout them out because the reality is, is if you are supplementing with creatine, you should find a creatine supplement that has Creapure as the label. Creapure is the most purest form. That's why it's called Creapure of creatine you can get. They've been in the game longer than damn near anybody, if not anybody. It might be the longest standing creatine company and uh, facility in the world and in the history of uh, in the industry, really. Um, they are located in Germany. And they actually fund almost all, if not all, of the major research studies done on creatine monohydrate. So if you are going to supplement with creatine, you actually don't buy. And this is what's cool about them too. So there's no affiliate link here. I'm not going to say, hey, like, shout out to Creepier. Click, go to creeper.com slash boom boom and get, you know, like there is no. There's nothing. We're just trying to spread the word uh, because they don't sell to consumers. They sell to uh, the large companies. So Optimum Nutrition, I believe, uses Creapure. Muscle Feast uses Creapure. Um, there's, uh, I think, Gero Formula uses, there's like a bunch, but if you go to their website, you can see all the different affiliated brands. So I do suggest going to the website um, and checking out the affiliated brands because if you're going to get creatine, you got to get it with Creapure. It's, it's, it's really, really important um, that you do. Um, I'm going to link their website in the show notes. Again, you can't purchase anything from them. So I don't get anything from this besides just spreading the good word because there's a lot of supplements that put 
fillers in their products, whether it is maltodextrin or sodium or whatever it may be. And I want you guys to get the best creatine. I want you to get pure creatine. So you're actually getting results that you're paying for. Um, and that's what you're going to get with any product that uses CreaPure. So I'll put the link in there so you guys can grab that and actually uh, get a good product. Winnie Gordon, what are your suggestions for women while they are pregnant and post-baby in terms of diet slash nutrition and workout, specifically for those that are athletic, have training and nutrition dialed in and a routine pre-baby? Um, so this is tough because I can't give you any specific advice because it all depends and I don't know who you are currently. And I, I'm saying that partially to cover my ass, but partially to just let you know, like everybody's situation is different. This is why coaching helps. And I see a lot of people who actually cancel coaching or, or say, I'm going to wait for a coach because we just got pregnant. And I'm like, you should hire a coach and then just ask them to freeze your account for a couple weeks when you first have the baby, right? Because you are like a month, because usually the doctor tells you like six to eight weeks. And I would say it's more like four to six if you train before, because you come back that much quicker. But if you hire a coach before, it's the best thing you can do. Because if you lock in your nutrition and training before the baby's here, uh, your pregnancy is going to be easier. It's going to be less painful. The birth is actually going to be faster, and there's there's research to prove this. Um, your body is actually going to come back quicker. So obviously, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of stretching and things like that. That's going to come back a lot quicker after the baby. Um, your baby is actually going to be a lot healthier. Um, there's so many good benefits to training and nutrition prior to having the baby. Um, right after you have the baby, it's just recovery. Um, and then post-baby, you'll be ready to train again, and your body will be getting fit again faster if you do this and you can see like fitness models and, and trainers and stuff like that who have kids and you're like dang how did you get like your body bounce back so quick it's nothing crazy it's just training so when you're leading into pregnancy nothing changes for a while until i want to say the second or third trimester um, and that's when you really got to start worrying about overhead reach overhead pressing overhead pulling things like that anything where you have a load over your head so if you're pressing overhead or you're pulling weight from overhead so chin-ups pull downs overhead press stuff like that um the reason being um and this would also apply for any ab exercise that would cause this as well like an ab rollout or, or a long lever plank and stuff like that anything that's going to create um overload of tension in the in the abdo abs but also stretching of the abdominal wall because as you're pregnant you're literally stretching your abdominal wall as is because there's a baby in your stomach um the more and more you do that the more and more fragile it gets and the more and more likely it is for tears to happen if you apply too much pressure to it so if you go into a chin-up hang or an overhead press and there's too much load and you're stretching your body vertically and you're stretching your abdominal wall you are more and more likely to actually create tears so we want to avoid overhead pressing we want to avoid really any uh, laying on your stomach position in training. So no planks, no push-ups, stuff like that. You can do elevated push-ups. So in a barbell on a rack, slow down the negative, um, work on crushing the bar. So you activate your upper back. It'll make it more difficult for you. Um, so it doesn't seem super easy because for some people that will be, um, and you want to avoid anything that creates too much pelvic floor tension too. So like a heavy deadlift probably wouldn't be smart. Heavy squats wouldn't be smart. Um, we kind of slowly shift. Yeah, as you start to get closer and closer to pregnancy, you kind of shift gears from doing too much overload to, to more high rep, low uh, intensity stuff. So higher rep stuff, higher volume, but like less weight, less, which provides less tension, less resistance, less likelihood that you're going to create abdominal tension. So you want to avoid like a heavy trap bar deadlift. You create a ton of intra-abdominal pressure by bracing, squeezing, firing your glutes. Like that's probably not the smartest thing ever. Um, so a lot more body weight stuff, a lot more band stuff, but just exercise in general. And actually cardio becomes much more 
important because you want to just facilitate good health. Cardio is a good thing for good health. So a good example of somebody that I can think of was a client that I had way back, Candice, um, who I trained in person, and she got pregnant. And what we did is uh, no macros, and I, I'm a big fan of not tracking macros while pregnant because although I think you should be more intuitive, I, we know that you don't need like the whole like, oh, you need a 500 extra calories. That's false, especially towards the beginning. You need like five extra calories. The baby's so tiny. Um, and as you become more and more pregnant, you are training less and less, which means that you have a lower and lower energy expenditure from training, which kind of matches up with the higher and higher energy expenditure of pregnancy and the birth. So you really don't have to change your calories much from maintenance. Um, you just need enough protein and you need real food. Deep Nutrition is a good book that explains a lot of this, but I'm a big fan of, of shifting further and further away of if, if it's your macros and uh, really trying to focus on whole foods, like eat really good whole foods with tons of micronutrients. Um, Rice, sweet potatoes, whole grain breads, lean meats, fish, good dairy, vegetables, produce, fruit, stuff like that. Obviously, you have cravings. Have your cravings. I'm not saying don't because, one, I don't know how what it's like personally. Two, I've, I lived with a, a, somebody who went through pregnancy, so I get it. Um, but the majority of your diet, I think, should be really, really based on whole foods. Not necessarily just strictly paleo, but just whole foods in general um, and not tracking macros. Try to stay around maintenance. Try to eat more than enough protein because your baby needs protein and just eat real whole foods. And then your training should be like three days a week of full body uh, resistance training. You're not overloading too much, so you're focusing on – Leaving a couple of reps in the tank, focusing on that like 8 to 20 rep range and uh, doing lifts that don't put too much abdominal or pelvic floor pressure inside of your body, period. Um, and then I would like to do two to three days of cardio as well. A couple of those days can just be long walks. If you have access to a sled, we use the sled and the salt bike a lot. So we would do like a moderate pace on the salt bike for a good 20 minutes. Like that was perfect. So it was like she was sweating and, and breathing, but it wasn't high intensity. It wasn't low intensity. So much more moderate. And then we did a lot of sled work. So sled push, sled pull, just like 20 minutes. Just give me as many down and backs as you can on the 20 yard turf. So that's probably how I would recommend it. And then you take a break for a month after pregnancy. And then like anywhere between that four to eight weeks when you're ready, you literally do the exact same thing. Do the exact same thing you did pre-baby. And you do that for a solid I would say anywhere between six to 12 weeks. Uh, it depends on the recovery of each individual. Um, and then after that point, when you're 100% ready to go, your doctor lets you know you're ready to go and you feel ready to go, then you just get back to normal training. I think people complicate it too much. SB25 underscore 91. What's the best way to create structure in your life? It's a very vague question, so it's hard. Um, I personally think two things. Number one, I would say get a coach that helps you focus on this. So one of the first like real life coaches or mentors I hired was somebody who really prioritized um, like a point system with this. And it's actually cool. Like uh, I'm working with a life coach right now that does the same thing. He doesn't like being called life coach, but and I wouldn't either. I think that's a weird term, but um, I don't know what else to call him. <laughs> so we have a point system and I think that's the best way to do it. Like you have to have a coach that does this, but it keeps you accountable. So I have a point system now for uh, my training every day, my greens drink every day. It starts off my day with on a good, healthy habit for nutrition. Uh, my daily walk, uh, my appreciation to my family. So Blakely, Shannon, and then somebody outside of that. So reconnecting with an old friend um, for study. So am I studying my craft for an hour of alone time to myself each day? to meditation, to journaling? Like there's a point system and you get a certain amount of points every day. And by the end of the week, we have a score chart. Okay, you're consistently sloughing in this area. Why? Let's fix that. 
that's going to hold you back. Um, so I think that helps a lot, but like more than anything, it's like, if you want structure, you have to go out of your way to create it. Usually that means hiring somebody because they're going to be a unbiased external opinion to kind of step in and help you. But I think more than anything is like, you just have to understand what you want, create clarity around that, and then create structure around it. What are you doing every day? What is your daily routine? Period. There's, there's really four areas of our life that we're constantly striving for success and structure in. And that is your body physically and, and health-wise, so your training and nutrition. That is your mindset, so your confidence, your certainty, your energy, your spirituality, your religion, so on and so forth. Um, your relationships, so your family, your spouse, your, your kids, so on and so forth, friends. And then your business, your finances, your money, your career. And you need to go into each area and create a daily routine in order to kind of put you in your zone of genius, I would call it. For me, that's the biggest thing. The best way to create structure is to start every morning with a specific routine that gets your mind in your zone of genius for each area of your life. Because if you do that, the rest of your day is on point. It's, it's simple. Like that starts your day. You're spending time working on yourself. And that, that's why I wake up at five in the morning. I wake up and I spend time on myself for an hour, an hour and a half every single day. And I go through my checklist. And I think that's the most important thing for most people. Um, and it's so simple and you get so much resistance to stop because you're like, what is this even doing? But once you stop, chaos happens, right? And, and that's why like, it's not a rehab. It's not like, oh shit, I'm stressed out. I got to do my morning routine for a couple of days. It's like, no, I do my morning routine every fucking day because I don't want to fall into chaos. I don't want to fall into stress. I don't want to fall into anxiety and overwhelm again. Um, super, super big. So I think the best way is to create structure. Let me limit it to three things. Number one, get a morning routine that solidifies and pushes you to improve each area of your life. Find a coach because having accountability is the biggest thing because you're not going to continue to do things. Um, and then number three, I would say have a goal because if you want structure but you don't have a goal or an outcome or a destination to get to, it's hard to stay motivated to continue that structure. And it's hard to have clarity on what that structure should look like. I know my morning routine needs to look like X, Y, Z because – I'm working on these four areas of my life to get me to these outcomes in those four areas. So I know that if I do these things every day, I'll get there. And if I do these, th these things every week, every month, every year, like so on and so forth, and it just kind of escalates, I'm going to keep chasing different goals. So three things, get a morning routine. Number two, get a coach. Number three, uh, set outcomes. And I like to set 90-day outcomes because three months isn't too long, but it's further, far enough away to accomplish some big shit. Coach Longest, do you recommend intra-workout fueling, i.e. on upper upper days lasting around 75 minutes? Yeah, I would say if your training session is lasting longer than an hour, I would, I'm a fan of it. But I think it's one of those things where, like I've talked about this a lot, there's a lot of research that supports it to fuel performance um, and better recovery for muscle growth. So I think it's very advantageous from a science-based perspective, but I, I don't think it's completely necessary. It's like the 5%. It's the upper edge. I would say it's like 1%. So if somebody comes to me and they're like, man, it's hard for me to eat this many carbs. I'm like, okay, let's do an inch of workout shake. If somebody comes to me and they're like, man, I can't build muscle. Usually I'm like, you have to eat more food. But second, I'm like, hey, let's supplement with the inch of workout shake. Highly branched cyclic digestion and essential amino acids uh, are my two favorite. I like to throw creatine in there because it's just easy time to drink the creatine too. Uh, shout out to Creep here. <laughs> but... Um, I, uh, I think that's a good, good situation too. Um, and then I would say in high intensity athletes, whether that's CrossFit, rugby, doesn't matter, after training, after matches, after competition, stuff like that, I think it's good but better as a post-workout. So if you're doing anything explosive, you might actually not want it during your workout because one of the ad advantageous points of it is the fact that it blunts cortisol. And when it blunts cortisol, um, 
we're more likely to recover faster and have a better, uh, like it does two things. It spikes insulin, which is going to drop cortisol. It's also going to have a relationship with increasing growth hormone um, and stimulating possibly more muscle protein synthesis if you have protein with it, so essential amino acids with it. So if we're trying to build muscle and we drink it during our workout, we're kind of doing a three for one. More muscle protein synthesis, more growth hormone through the insulin spike, and then also uh, less cortisol through the insulin spike, which is going to lead to less stress levels, better recovery. However, cortisol is a hormone that also helps uh, keep us in sympathetic drive. It keeps us in a fight or flight, which is good if we're being explosive. If I'm trying to get a 300-pound bar over my head in a snatch, I might want to be in fight or flight. All right. If I'm sprinting in rugby, I definitely want to be in fight or flight. So for individuals like that, it's more about using it post-workout in order to have that same effect, but to calm down the stress response post-workout so they can recover after the intensity is done. Um, but yeah, I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's needed. It's like if somebody comes to me and they want fat loss, I'm not going to waste carbs on it unless we have plenty of carbs to play with. Like if we're starting a fat loss diet and we have 300 grams of carbs, I'm probably going to say, hey, like I want you doing 20 to 40 grams of intra-workout carbs during your heavy days, uh, your your like hypertrophy days because I want to maintain as much muscle as possible and it definitely will help. Um, when I did my contest prep, I mean this shit is like – it's getting really popular now, but it's been around for years. When I did my contest prep like five years ago, I used it up until peak week. Like I literally used it through all my training sessions. So even when I was cutting carbs, I still kept my intra-workout – uh, supplementation because it helped me maintain a lot of muscle to get on stage. So I think it does have value in that sense too. But for adherence purposes, like me, when I got down to 160 grams carbs, fuck no, I'm not having any intra workout carbs. I want that for food. So I think it depends. H underscore Jaquise. What's a good supplement company you recommend? Muscle Feast or Legion? I feel like you're pinning me to choose one of those. <laughs> I like both of them. Um, I really, I love Legion. I think Legion is a great supplement. Um, I think Mike, Ma- Mike Matthews is a great guy. I've had many conversations with him personally, so I kind of have a bias towards them because when you can literally speak to the person making the supplements, you have a different level of trust. I also will say, like, if you look at his content, he constantly says you don't need supplements, and I think that says a lot about a supplement company. If you go right to his homepage, the first video you see is like, you don't need this stuff, but it can give you the upper edge. And like that's the reality of supplements. So the fact that he has so much transparency and authenticity and honesty inside of his marketing says a lot about the supplement company. Um, I also know like uh, Chris Barricott I already talked about. He's uh, affiliated with them, um, and he wouldn't trust a shitty supplement company. I mean that guy is in the research. Uh, but Muscle Feast, I love too. Muscle, those are the two pr- products I actually recommend more than any, and I think that's probably why you threw those out there. Muscle Feast is always coming out on top on Labdoor. So when we look at the actual lab studies, like protein, creatine, aminos, all this stuff always comes up on top. So I do trust them quite a bit. I, I prefer their creatine because it uses Creepure. Um, I don't even know if Legion sells creatine, to be honest with you. Um, so I couldn't speak on their creatine. Uh, Legion's protein powder tastes better for sure than Muscle Feast. I'll be honest. Muscle Feast, I think, ranked higher on Labdoor though. Um, but yeah, I like both those companies. Um, I think Dimatize is a decent company. I think their products taste really good. They sometimes don't pan out too well in Labdoor, but it's usually because their serving sizes are uh, overestimated, meaning you get more than what the label says, which is better than getting less. Um, I can't think of any other supplement. I mean, now uh, Viva is good. That's what I get like fish oil from and stuff. Um, Doctor's Best is a good brand for supplements. So like vitamins, minerals, uh, magnesium, stuff like that. But yeah, Huticat. Huticat. 
trying to build muscle but struggling with so many carbs? Are liquid sources okay? I would say probably structuring your day differently um, and so you're eating more meals at better times and then changing your meal composition so that the carbs are easier to eat. For example, like 100 grams of sweet potato doesn't look like much. 100 grams of carb look like uh, of rice looks like a lot. So if you're on a diet and you're trying to get as much volume of food, go with rice. If you're trying to make sure you get enough calories in, go with sweet potato. Um, you should probably add some sort of like oats or bread because those things do pack a lot of carbs in it. I, I personally do not like liquid sources. I think like if you solely believe in calories in versus calories out, I think you're safe. And I think, yeah, like it's true. But I just like being an evidence-based practitioner means that I look at the science, but I also look at what evidence I've seen inside of my experience and the experience of my peers. And I will constantly say that whole foods usually pan out better. So I would rather see you eating white rice or whole grain bread or oats or sweet potatoes than I would uh, like you seeing drinking a Gatorade, right? It's just, I just don't see it panning out or even fruit. Like if you do like, oh, I'm going to do a massive smoothie to get a hundred grams of carbs from fruit. I'm not a big fan of that. Like I think it would be better to just suck it up and eat food and just space out your meals and choose more cal- calorically dense foods than than voluminous foods. Choose the voluminous foods when you're on a cut. Choose the dense foods when you're when you're trying to bulk or or gain muscle. Um and with that being said, I think that the only time I recommend liquid sources would be intra workout. So if you're trying to build muscle um and you're training to build muscle, then I would I would supplement with liquid carbs, uh, which would be highly brain cyclic dextrin, dextrose, waxy maize, something like that. But I also think too, I get this question all the time. It's like, okay, like I'm eating 500 grams of carbs. I'm doing this. I can't gain weight. I'm like, what does your training look like? Like I think a lot of people place so much emphasis on nutrition because nutrition is the biggest crux. But if you're not creating the stimulus to grow, you're not going to grow. You can eat all you want. So I think like when it comes to, to cutting, dieting for fat loss, I think Nutrition plays a bigger role, and when it comes to nutrition or uh, hypertrophy and building muscle, I think you should more likely be in a small surplus. There are some rare cases where people are just stubborn, and we have to go into a big surplus just to get some weight gain, but usually I find a small surplus is fine, and I've even had people come to me in this situation, and I'm like, hey, let's stay at maintenance. I'm going to make your training so good that you build muscle because of training. We're gonna, we need to create create a better stimulus through training, a better stress through training. And that's going to shift your body composition to build more muscle. Um, I was actually just having this conversation inside the Boom Boom Elite uh, with – I do live Q&As inside the membership site every week. Shout out to the membership site. If you want the best training programs and access to me for coaching, help, and education – that's where you need to go. But we do a Q&A every Monday. And one of the questions was just about this. And, and I was like, what's the training like? And they were doing CrossFit. And CrossFit is a performance-driven sport. You're going to get strong. You might get lean. You're going to get dynamic. I, I like it. It's fun. But it's not the best for overall hypertrophy. Yes, there are some freaks in nature who end up getting big. But usually they're doing like two-a-days and really, really training to compete. And if you look at their training, even though it's CrossFit-like, volume is still high, period. So if volume is high, they're going to grow. Um, my point with this being is like if you're if you're doing CrossFit and you're trying to build muscle and you're not gaining even despite eating a lot of calories, try doing something like bodybuilding because CrossFit is so high intensity, you're probably burning more calories than you should be. Um, so your energy expenditure is not favoring muscle growth. And then the other thing is like you're not focusing on building muscle and isolating muscles. You're focusing on intensity and performance. Um, but yeah, so I would say like liquid sources are okay if it's an intra-workout. Otherwise, I wouldn't recommend them and I would probably look at your training if you haven't already. D.L. Zook. Article was dope today. Thank you. That was the uh, full body, uh, how to create the most effective full body plan, which I will link in the show notes. Thoughts on hybrid splits, like full body, full body, upper push, upper pull. Um, I like hybrid 
splits, but not that one. Uh, the reason I don't like that one is because it's full body, full body, upper push, upper pull. Um, I think if you did full body, full body, upper lower, that would be smart. But you, I don't think you should do two full upper body days and then two full body days. I think your lower body volume will be too low on that. And that's the kind of the point with splits is like training frequency and a training routine and a training split is really just a tool to better organize your training volume. So it's a way for you to organize your training intensity and your training volume in, in a way that allows you to accomplish enough intensity and volume to provide the goal that you want, whether that's pure strength or pure muscle. Um, so you got to kind of organize things to shift and, and get all your volume in, essentially. So I think any split is great, hybrid or not, if it allows you to get all your volume in. That being said, I do like upper, lower, upper, lower, full body. Um, I like straight upper, lower. I like straight full body. Um, and I like upper, lower, push pull legs better than anything. So I think if you're going to do a combination of upper, lower, and full body, I think it needs to be either upper, lower, upper, lower, full body, so five days, or you can do upper, lower, full body because you need three days. So if you're doing four days a week, I would go with uh, four days a week, I would go with just straight upper, lower. I think it's better. There's no reason to do a hybrid. I think if you're doing five days, I like either a upper, lower, upper, lower, full, or a upper, lower, push-pull legs. Um, if you're doing three days a week, I think just straight full body works best, but you could also do an upper, lower, full. That works really well too. Um, but again, it's just just kind of creating your stimulus. So a good like example of this is like, okay, well, my goal is hypertrophy mainly, but I still want to be strong. I would say, okay, let's do an upper, lower split, and then let's tack on a fifth day that's full body because that fifth day, we're going to do heavy deadlift, heavy bench, um, and a heavy squat, right? And that's it. We're just going to focus on pure strength, compound lifts. The other upper, lower days are pure bodybuilding. And that's an easy way to do it, but there's a, a, there's a methodical reason behind it. Um, and again, hybrid splits are great. Any split is great. Any split can work. Bro splits can work. All splits work. As long as it allows you to fit in the amount of volume and intensity you need in order to grow and still recover. Maboomba, best memory with... A, Best memory associated with training, PR possibly. Um, I would say PR isn't my best memory, um, but my favorite PR memory was probably the first time I deadlifted over 400 pounds. It was on a Saturday. We did like strongman Saturdays. We always went to the bakery afterwards. Um, we had a charity event every day. So it was like a charity boot camp. So everybody came in. We did charity boot camp. It was always loud. They always barbecued afterwards. So they were barbecuing. We're all lifting, and I worked up to, um, I think it was just 405 at the time, sumo deadlift. But that was the first time I ever lifted over 400 pounds, and I was I was stoked. That was definitely my best memory because I was young. I was really into training. Everybody was there. We were having a barbecue. Like, it was just a cool atmosphere. Um, but I would say my best memory, I don't have one specifically. I think when I answered this question, I think I said uh, I tagged all the guys that I used to lift with. There was one night where we played that song, uh, Oh my God, it's uh, DJ something and the boys. I'm going to look it up now because it's literally, it's probably the funniest song I've ever heard in my life. But we we played it. Somebody played it. One of the guys played it. I had never heard it and it was fucking hilarious. And we put it on repeat. We listened to the whole training session. And mind you, back then these training sessions were at least an hour, but oftentimes longer than an hour. Like they were sessions. Um and it was fucking hilarious. I'm looking for the song. 
I mean, uh, it's it's lost me. Oh, here it is. Heavy D and the boys. Now that we found love. It's that song. It's like, now that we found love, what do we do? I think that's how it goes. Let me, can I play it? Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. We played this on repeat. Oh, that's what it is. What are we going to do? Sick. Hilarious song. That song played for f an hour and a half straight, and we were just like, it was like six beefy, buff, meathead dudes just lifting to that <laughs> for a long. So that was probably one of my best memories, for sure. But I think in general, and I think I've been asked this question multiple times, but I think like in general, I, I've answered this before. Like that's the first memory that comes to mind because it was just hilarious and it was so much fun. But other than that, I would say just the dynamic of having a group of guys to live with, which is what I'm excited about with the facility, which we're still working on. It's just city permits and all this shit takes so much time to get done. But uh, by the end of the year, we'll have it up. So probably November. But that's what I'm excited about again is get a couple guys in there and training with me. And there's just something about having that atmosphere. So um, that's by far, by far one of my favorite memories. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.